0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: The time has come.
0: I like that.
1: The time is now. For Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast.
2: I always have to wait till that sting comes on, you know. But you gotta wait. You I go. kind of dance. I like to sort of dance to this
0: music. <laughs> How are you? My allergies are still killing me. Oh, you know, you? this is a terrible time to be in Atlanta right now Woo! because this is when pollen is. Cre- everything is green. I know. Let me tell
2: you. Everything. Not until like June thirtieth do I breathe easy. Like April, May, forget it. Like. I have that permaline on my nose. Everybody asks me if I have a cold or if I've been crying, and I make all kinds of stuff up, you know. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I heard you've been traveling. Yes. You've been out west. Yes. I did a bunch of trips. Um, we talked last week about my San Diego stuff, and I wanted to tell you about a really interesting dog that I met. So I'm on a flight uh, from the West Coast again, and I happen to sit down, and the young guy sitting kind of kitty-corner for me, or some people say catty-corner. I'm an animal lover. I say (laughs) kitty-corner. You know, he comes on, and he's got this beautiful, huge German shepherd who has got almost a Hannibal Lecter muzzle on. It is like solid leather, and it says police on it. So, I mean, the dog is very intimidating looking. He was very nice. And this guy is buff and he's got, you know, he definitely looked military. So he sits down and it's all, for some reason, it's all men sitting around and I'm on the aisle and he's on the aisle. And the dog is, you know, he, he's in front of the Coke closet, so she's out of the way when they come on board. And she kept trying to come over and over to me. And he kept looking at me and, you know, it was like, Luca. And it's a girl, I found out the dog is a German Shepherd girl named Luca. Because he kept saying, Luca, uh, what are you doing? Luca, come here. So finally he turns around and he looks at me and he goes, do you have, like, meat in your pocket? <laughs> I looked at him I'm like, no, but I'm happy to see you. Like, that was just sort of this whole, like, everyone started laughing and it kind of broke the ice about the dog. And so the guy next to him, because when that dog walked on, everybody tensed up. So then we kind of broke the ice and the guy next to him said what kind of a police dog? It turns out that this guy was really such a nice guy. His name was Shelby. He was um, military. I believe he was Navy and he was, this was a working dog. This is they have been together for one tour and it's an IED sniffing dog and also it hunts down terrorists so basically roadside bombs they go in first if they think something's been booby trapped they go in first with this dog and this guy his handler Shelby and they also if they see a suspect somewhere they let the dog loose You know, it and it goes and it takes them down so this is do- not a dog to mess with and this guy was so wonderful I mean just the fact that not only does a man like this you know and I say man in every sense of the world a gentleman put himself in harm's way for all of us but this dog does she did you know does amazing work she had done two tours in Afghanistan, once with some other, uh, another military member and one tour with Afghan, in Afghanistan with him. And they were on their way to Africa to do another tour. And it was just amazing. He was telling us stories about what they've done. And, you know, I, uh, somebody else had asked about the muzzle and he had said, well, you know, I put it on there because he was afraid that she might get knocked or someone would step on her tail. And as he said, and I quote, and you know, she's trained to kill, so you never know what could happen. <laughs> and like you could have heard a pin drop in that entire area of the airplane. It was amazing and the dog just looked at us but she was very sweet he took the muzzle off and for some reason the dog had coming over to me and I was like I'm fine with it so it's part of the flight I ended up switching seats with him so the dog could be pet and it's just so sweet but it just really it was amazing and let me tell you how well trained this dog was when he wanted the dog to sit because people were coming on he would go sit and that was it and the dog just looked at him and did not break eye contact with this guy until he said okay or settle or whatever it was and I thought oh my gosh you know I can barely get my husband to put the toilet seat down and he's got this dog trained. So it was really cool though I learned a lot About military dogs And you know you forget And I know we often talk about The amazing men and women Who you know Engage in the military Enter the military Whether it's stateside Or overseas And you know are these dogs That love what they do Because I asked And I said Oh is it said, She loves it This is what she lives for She loves to be helpful And if there's good news Or bad news The good news is That she's starting To get some dysplasia So he said That's It's bad news for her In some ways But he'll help her The good news is she may get to retire with him after this tour. And he wants to then move into another area of the military and train these dogs. So anyway, that was my very exciting story. And I fell in love with Luca. And I just wanted to say thank you to every Luca and Shelby out there. You guys, men and women are amazing.
0: That's why you have to meet The guys at the Gwinnett County Sheriff's Canine Unit. Because again, in a different way, obviously, but they're, they're putting their lives on the line every single night going out with their dogs. And I think this is an argument, you know, you bring up a really good point that it's an argument that people make that this is cruel to make these dogs do this, to put these dogs in harm's way. Right. However, I also think it's cruel not to give a working dog a job. The, mm-hmm. These dogs are bred to do these kind of things. And these dogs are with their handlers pretty much 24-7. They enjoy a really, really great relationship. They're, the training techniques aren't the greatest, right. I have to say, but hopefully improving. And these dogs do amazing things and so an important job a uh, really important jobs. and so i don't like it when people say oh this is cruel you shouldn't allow dogs to do this and this isn't it because they have they don't have a clue what these dogs do and how much these dogs love
2: working well i love it they get so excited this is their thing Well, and I also think that, you know, when I say, oh, yeah, these poor dogs, they should be sitting at home on a couch, what, by themselves? So then I look at this dog and everybody who comes on the dog, can I pet your dog? And they get attention because he wasn't working. And, you know, he pulls out treats for the dog and he's flying on an airplane and everyone say, oh, can I get the dog water? And I mean, this dog gets so much attention and so much love. And, you know, this dog, my dogs are not flying here and there with me and don't go into stores with me and don't, you know, go everywhere with me. They're by themselves much of the day because because I'm working, doing things I have to do, and they're by themselves. So on the flip side, these dogs have a great life, as great as we have in, in many yeah. cases. You and know, you know, not to say not to say that this
0: part of the jobs they do, especially in the military and out on tours, isn't stressful, and, right. and, and a lot and of dogs dangerous. do come back with post-traumatic stress disorder, and you know, we're going to talk about it, because hopefully we're going to have the guys from the Gwinnett County Sheriff's Canine Unit on, on the podcast yes. soon, and we're going to talk about filming for Guardians of the great. Night, our new web series, and um, we're also going to talk about the sort of the state of working dogs or police dogs law enforcement dogs here in the United States because actually, what a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of law enforcement dogs are actually former military dogs Mm -hmm. and then they come over and then they're resold to police departments for a cheaper price and these dogs have a lot of issues and they're given to green handlers who then have to train these dogs now for police work so so there I think we'll get the guys and we'll get them to explain Mm -hmm. that and the way that they train and the way They try and help these handlers and their dogs bond together and work together and make that transition and make that adjustment. But that's for future. And talking about working dogs, Mm -hmm. I'm very excited because on the hotline today, we have Heather Paul, and she is the State Farm Arson Dog Program Coordinator. And you know, you've seen
2: my Arson Dog web series. It's fantastic. Those episodes are amazing.
0: So let's get her on the line right now, shall we? Yeah.
1: The positively hotline is
0: ringing. We
2: don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? Anyone this ever awesome. heard like
1: she's made out of ham?
2: That
0: is interesting. That's exciting. Um,
1: is somebody going to answer that?
0: Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. In the phone! On the hotline today, we have one of my very, very good friends, Heather Paul. She's the public affairs specialist for State Farm, and she's also the State Farm Arson Dog Program Coordinator. Heather, welcome. Hello.
1: Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited to be on the
0: podcast. Well, we're excited to have you. And of course, you and I, Heather, have experienced now quite many, many days together of frivolity and laughter and trying to work hard because, of course, I spent, I met you first, but spent a good number of days working with you on the Arson Dog program that we were shooting. And for me to see how these dogs are trained was really phenomenal and also to meet you and to see the program. Can you tell us a little bit about how State Farm and why State Farm became involved in the program and why or what your job is as coordinator, how long you've been doing it, and how is the program helping around the country?
1: Absolutely. Well, I I kind of consider myself extremely lucky uh, to have a a job working at an insurance company but getting to work with dogs. So uh, it's a, a rare opportunity for me to kind of Lend my love of animals and, and of course, wanting to help people, which is exactly what the arson dog program is designed to do. So, in 1992. State Farm had a, an arson claim that was taking place, an investigation that was taking place in South Carolina. And at that time, there was uh, a unique tool that was being used to help find evidence, and it was an arson dog. So uh, we took a look at that program and said, you know, this is a really amazing opportunity for not only State Farm to help provide a tool for law enforcement to find evidence of an arson fire, but to also utilize this tool for outreach and education around fire safety. So we learned a little more about the program, found out that the dog was trained through the Maine State Police and was certified according to the Maine Criminal Justice Academy. So we contacted them and got, we were lucky enough then to meet with who was at the time the head of the Maine State Police Canine Training Program, named Paul Gallagher. So Paul began training our dogs in our first, team was trained in Maine in February of 1993. Now, jump forward about 23 years later, and Paul Gallagher is still our head trainer. He's been doing it for 23 years. He's since retired from the Maine State Police. He's no longer a state police officer, but he continues to manage our programs, all of the training techniques. He has to go through certification each year. And over the past 23 years, we've actually been able to place more than 350 teams across the U.S. and Canada. What is unique about the program is that we do not require the dogs or the handlers that are trained through our program to investigate only state farm insurance claims. We designed it to be a community tool so that regardless of who the insurer is for that property or where the, the dog is placed, That tool is available for whomever needs it in that community to investigate a fire scene and find evidence.
2: So, Heather, let me ask you, what kind of dogs do you use? Because I know sometimes there are, you know, uh, rescue dogs and they have German Shepherds, they have Labradors, sometimes they use hound dogs. So what kind of dogs do you find work best for the arson dogs?
1: We use Labrador Retrievers or Goldadors, which are golden retriever lab mixes. And one of the reasons that we utilize Lab is that uh, they've got a great work drive. Uh, of course, they have excellent noses. They're also friendly and outgoing. So when when the handler and the canine are going into a school to conduct education and outreach about fire safety, we find that the kids are more comfortable with a lab, mm-hmm. um, and the labs are a little bit calmer and easier. So we all get all of our dogs from disability assistance programs or seeing eye programs. Their career changed. So we take those dogs that are young and full of energy and we will place them with an imprinter who works with them for a couple of months before the training class.
0: So I had a chance to meet a lot of these dogs. And obviously the, the imprinting process is when these dogs <coughs> are trained to detect accelerants. So that imprinting process happens before the dogs come to the school. And it's when the dogs come to the school, they basically come already trained. And then you have these fire marshals from all over the country that come. And they're matched up with these dogs. And so really it's the fire <coughs> marshals that are being trained to work with these dogs to investigate fires so it's like the dogs are already come they're already the eight plus students Mm -hmm. and it's these fire marshals and some of them have never handled a dog before that come and that's what we were filming that's what i filmed and we were filming there and and that course is about it's about four weeks long isn't it heather
1: yeah they do spend all the handlers spend four four weeks in alfred maine where all of the training takes place it's beautiful. There in Maine, um, but it's also quiet and it gives the handlers a chance to really focus on bonding with their dogs. As Victoria mentioned, the dogs are already trained. They know what their job is. They've been working with accelerants and they're all food reward dogs. so Of course, they're used to being smelling gasoline and getting fed. It's really the purpose of the training is to get the handlers comfortable with the behavior of the dogs and recognizing the signals that their dog is alerting to an accelerant, but also getting the dog to trust the handler.
2: I noticed on the website arsendog.org where all the information is for anybody who wants more on it. You have all of the episodes that Victoria has done with the arson dogs online. I think that is awesome resource. I've seen a bunch of them. They're great, but I was wondering the dogs with their fire marshals, their handlers. Is it like when they have in the military where or, you know, canine police dogs where they go home with their officer? Is that, do they go to live with them? What are their lives like? Mm-hmm
1: yeah these guys these dogs live with their handlers. They go on vacation. <laughs> we try to remind them that they're uh, that they are a, a a law enforcement tool so they shouldn't be on the couch or sleeping in the bed. but we all know that <laughs> as soon as that dog gets home, it's on the couch and it's sleeping in the bed. Just kind of like we um, do
2: when we come home from work. Heather, you know we want to get home and sit on the couch or lay on the bed, you know it's all in a day's work.
1: Absolutely. And it's funny because we always tell the handlers that the most important person to get approval from before they come to the training class is their spouse. (laughs) <laughs> because they're, they know that this is a dog that's going to be living and working with them 24 hours a day and 99% of the dogs when they retire, retire into the home with their handler. Oh, so these, they do really de- develop a tremendous bond because they're spending all day, all the time with their canine partner. See,
0: and I think this is, I mean, it's been wonderful for me to go learn how to do it and learn how these arson dogs are trained and actually do it myself. So if you watch the series, you'll see me trying to attempt to to start training (laughs) with these dogs. But it's a learning process. You know, yeah. I'm a trainer and I do my thing, and I and and I work a lot in behaviour. But when you're training an arson dog, a particularly working dog like this, to do a particular thing, you know, you have to get it right. It's a different have kind to. of training. It's, it is completely different. So I was learning along with the rest of them. But what I like about it is that, again, it's all done. You're really harnessing these dogs' drives. And remember, these dogs <laughs> are kind of flunk outs from guide dogs for the blind and for for <laughs> the other assistance dog organisations, which they use using those is far too much. They're far too food motivated for these organisations so therefore they come to this school and they're the right drive they're highly driven dogs so then you're working with a highly driven dog and you're working with a dog that just loves to work but they have high energy there's no real obedience so that your dog is taught to pull your dog pulls we don't Mm -hmm. teach the dogs not to pull because we want the dog out there Mm -hmm. out in front of the handler investigating and smelling their environment so there's no kind of obedience in that way but learning this new technique has been great for me and for me to see that working dogs with high drive can be trained positively as well just because these are high drive dogs doesn't mean you have to have a tougher hand you still you know you've got to be direct and you've got to it's still your boundaries and you've got to do everything but it's all done with just praise and that's what Paul Gallagher who's so good about getting these tough guys a lot of them you know the law enforcement as well don't forget a lot of these tough guys to sort of find their inner cheerleader voice mm-hmm. certainly when they're praising the dogs and, and I, I love it I love seeing all these law enforcement officers it's like hey yeah good With a little cheerleader. It's great. See, Mm -hmm.
2: you get to see the inner workings of law enforcement and see how how great they are. It's really a a great organization, Heather. And I want to give the website again, arsondog.org, where people can find out more about it and see all of Victoria's episodes of working with the dogs and highlighting everybody else. It's great that you guys are doing this. Terrific.
0: So, Heather, in just over a week, it's National Arson Awareness Week, which is May the 3rd -hmm. to the 9th. What can we tell people, a little bit of an explanation about what Arson Awareness Week is all about?
1: Arson Awareness Week is organized by the U.S. Fire Administration, which is a Department a Department of Homeland Security. And USFA chooses a theme each year to try to raise public awareness around the problem of arson. You know, in the past years, it's been juvenile fire setting, and information about that, maybe about vehicle arson. But this year they reached out to us and said, you know, we really want to highlight the, the incredible contributions and the dedication of the handlers and the can- their canine partners. So this year for Arson Awareness Week, the focus is going to be on accelerant detection canines. If you go to the U.S. Fire Administration FEMA website, you'll be able to find a downloadable poster with dogs on it, stories and profiles about many of the teams, both trained through the State Farm Program as well as trained by the ATF, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives. And you'll also get to hear and get to see a little bit more about what the problem of arson is and what it costs to communities because it does consider... The thing about arson is that just because your house doesn't burn down in an arson fire does not mean that you're not impacted by it. Every arson fire decreases the value of homes in that neighborhood. It costs taxpayer money to investigate and to eventually prosecute, which is why it's important to have a dog or an arson detection team that is able to go in and quickly identify evidence, get it off to a lab, And it reduces the amount of money that taxpayer dollars that are spent on investigation.
0: Because a dog can a dog can go into a scene and they can find in a matter of thirty minutes what it might take a human to find in a couple of
1: days. Absolutely. They want to go in. The dog wants to work. And the great thing about it is that the dog does not care what your background is. It doesn't care about your criminal history. It doesn't care about your socioeconomic standing. That dog is there to detect evidence and pinpoint exactly where an accelerant may be why the prosecution rate goes from approximately 12% without an arson dog investigating to 50% or higher where a dog has been able to identify evidence and it's been backed up in the, with lab results.
0: And what I find fascinating, just before you go, Heather, what I find fascinating is that arsonists like to see their handiwork. So in that crowd of people that are watching that fire or that maybe have gathered after the fire, um, of course, you have to make it safe for the dog to go in. But after that, when that dog goes in and there's a crowd around watching, that arsonist could be in the crowd. And so that's why it's a good idea to have the dog investigate the crowd, too, because when that dog might sit in front of you and say hello, it might actually be saying, you know what, you're the arsonist. And that's what I love about about these animals. That, that's, that's what I love about this whole thing. And, and I've learned so much from this program. Heather, I've learned so much from you. And I'm also extremely proud that the Arson Dog Program, that the U.S. Fire Administration have put it up on their website. And so if you want to go there, it's usfa.fema.gov. You can see our Arson awesome Dog Program there. You can find out more about Arson. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. You're always a fountain of information. I can't wait to film more with you because we will be doing more film with the Arsene Dog Program, following the guys to various parts of the country to see the amazing work they do and and to tell some of the stories that they've experienced. So
2: thank you, Heather. Great to talk to you, Heather. All right, now, shall we ask Victoria? Let's do it. All right.
1: Hey, you got something on your mind? are you, a wizard and genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, or some process they they physically miniaturize the dog or is it a puppy or what what the devil is going on? That's
2: a really good question.
0: I've got my work cut out for me here.
1: Next time you want to know something... Can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with, with this, this kind of stuff, stuff you know. Uh, you uh, obviously you don't know my dog. Don't just ask Victoria? ask
0: Victoria. Ask Victoria is brought to you by our friends at Adaptil. Because you know, dogs, just like humans, they get anxious and stressed. And just like us, they don't always express it in the best way. Many pet owners might not realize that certain behaviors, for example, excessive barking, soiling in the house, hiding, destroying household items... They're caused by stress. So all kinds of things can create stress for your puppy or your dog. Loud noises, new people, transitions, surroundings, traveling, being left alone. And so Adaptil is clinically proven to help reduce or eliminate stress-related behaviors. And Adaptil mimics the natural pheromones pets use to communicate. So it has this calming effect on your dog, which makes your home a very a happier place for your dog. And it's available, you can put, have it in a collar, you can have it in a diffuser, the <laughs> spray or wipes to help you keep your dog calm in just about any situation. For example, if I'm traveling and my dog is going in a crate, I might wipe the crate down with the wipes just to get the, um, scent. the scent on the crate. So that's a good way to use it. For example, great way to use um, wipes. Or you can just use the little spray as well. But best behavior starts with Adaptal. And if you want to find out more and how Adaptil can help your dog's behavior, check them out at adaptilus.com.
2: Okay, we've been talking a lot about working dogs, but what about people who work with dogs and our first question with ask Victoria is from Deb in Ohio and she wants to know how can I become a Victoria Stillwell certified trainer mm. so talk a little bit about the program if you would for those who aren't really familiar with your program
0: okay well first of all we require that any trainer that apply has a minimum of two years professional experience okay this means experience either doing classes or going and doing um, private consultations in people's homes and if you have that minimum of two years Experience, then you can apply. But we also have very strict guidelines and rules, I should say. In that, you only practice humane, fear-free training techniques. Positive so, training. Exactly. We don't allow prong collars or choke collars or shock collars. We don't allow harsh punishments. You know, we obviously we believe there has to be a certain amount of discipline. We have to create boundaries, but those have to be done in a fear-free way. So mm-hmm. we concentrate. We put the emphasis more on teaching dogs what to do in certain situations rather than punishing a dog for doing the wrong thing so that's Mm -hmm. that's more the sort of the emphasis that we put with positive trainers and that's what we want we want you to be very good with dogs and very good with people Mm -hmm. and to have a great attitude so you fill out an application form and then If your application form gets accepted, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you go through a whole series of interviews and then you'll come and have a day with me and we will go through, we work with rescue dogs. We have a great time. By this time, we know you very well. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we make the assessment. Can you be, you know, join us or not? Or do you need a bit more time? But if you want to have more information, Deb, you can go to vspdt.com. And also, what I'm excited to say is that vsdogtrainingacademy.com, if you are interested in becoming a dog trainer, you haven't had that two years experience, you're interested in a career in dog training, well, we have the academy for you that we are launching this year. It's the vsdogtrainingacademy.com. You'll be able to find everything there and come train with me. Yes, um, I, I might,
2: will be teaching you. I might have to do that. Maybe I could be one of the inaugural, uh, students. Well, you could, but yeah. I know I'm a pretty tough
0: teacher. It's six month program. The first, the student. first is a six month program. And you gotta work
2: really hard. I'm a hard worker. I know you are a hard worker. I'm, I'm just part. thinking,
0: you know, you
2: don't pay. <laughs> I'm dedicated. All right. Next Ask Victoria question comes from Diane in Oklahoma. She says, help, Victoria, my sweet, wonderful Chiggy. It's the name of the dog. Chiggy is not a chigger. No, it's an, and it's not okay. It's not a breed. Okay. It's an Italian greyhound chihuahua mix. Ooh, wow. That dog's probably really beautiful. Wow. He's terrified of large dogs and is actually aggressive towards them. He weighs only 13 pounds but is very fast. He's always on a leash or behind a fence, and we have completed one obedience course. We began a follow-up course, but last night one of the large dogs escaped control and went after my dog. We left the class because he was no longer able to focus on the training at hand. Now I realize that this class is simply exacerbating the problem. He needs socialization, not obedience training at this point. Your input is almost the only viewpoint I would trust. What can you suggest? I think she's very right to leave that class. Mm -hmm. Because if he does have that
0: reaction, especially around bigger dogs, because it's frightening for a little dog. you get down on the same level as your dog, you'll see everything looks and frightening from down there and um, if he's had negative experiences with other dogs reacting towards him then of course he's just going to become defensive so I think it's a really good idea leaving the class but um, I think she does need to have a trainer come work with her and it's all about giving the dog confidence Mm -hmm. so maybe your dog is not going to be the most sociable dog and accept every large dog into their presence however you can teach a dog to accept them close by and when they've accepted to them close by teach them an appropriate greeting so everything wonderful happens when other dogs are in the area to her little dog Mm -hmm. everything wonderful happens and you've got to find what is the dog's biggest motivator right is it food is it praise is it play is it a game is it a tug of war what is something that the dog loves to do and you only do that when the dog is in the presence of another dog And I teach dogs that are frightened of other dogs. I actually teach dogs to sort of look at them, to gain confidence by looking at the dog and then looking back at me because I'm that security blanket. I am the person that is going to keep the dog safe and I want my dog to know that. That's why it's important that you have a really good bond with your dog, that your dog trusts you so that whenever the dog looks at another dog, either say, look at that or dog or whatever. It doesn't matter what you use, but you use a word. And then when the dog looks back, at you, say good good girl, good boy, treat, reward, play the game. So actually now the dog begins to look forward to other dogs coming into their area. When the dog's really good at having maybe dogs go past them, then maybe it's time now to start greeting. Make sure that when you start greeting that you do it, that the larger dog is a very calm dog. And I like to do following first. I like the sort of, so I would recommend that she take Chigger and follow the larger dog for a little bit so they can get the scent. And then maybe parallel walk a little bit. If socializing isn't all just about touching, socializing can happen when you're not physically touching another dog or another person so let them walk parallel let them get each other's scent and get comfortable and then do a quick face-to-face greeting and dogs when they greet each other kind of like to greet in in an arc and they greet here by smelling each other's faces and then coming around to smell each other's bottoms so what you can do is that when you do a, a quick greeting kind of approach in an arc do the face maybe do a little butt sniff and then off you go couple of seconds to begin with and then you can build it up and if the dogs are comfortable with each other then great i like to then if the dogs are really comfortable with each other have them off leash but you can only do that Mm -hmm. if it's legal and safe to do so so that's my advice but it's always a good idea to get a trainer and if you want to get a good trainer go
2: to positive.com slash trainers to find a trainer in your area Okay, here's a question from Laura. She's in Wales, and she says, My border collie is eight years old and has been crated since a puppy. She knows it's her bed and understands the command bed. Sometimes she'll just go in it on her own without command. However, since bringing our baby home, she does not like going into her crate, and once we manage to get her in, she gets very distressed and she cries. She scratches the bottom of her crate. She bangs against it with her paws. However, some nights she does not make a sound. In the day when she's out of the crate, she's perfectly fine. Is there a way we can fix this?
0: I wonder if there are triggers. For example, if she doesn't like being in the crate, if she hears the baby crying, that, and yeah. she's getting nervous, or she's you know the baby's crying, I've got to go there. I've got to see what's happening. And maybe now she's being put in the crate a bit more often because the baby is out and she's not used to that, and that transition is being difficult for her. So I think what what I love doing with this is that that the crate becomes is the dog's bed it's the dog's safe zone and it's for most dogs what i'll do is i'll feed them i'll start feeding them in there they'll get all lovely chew toys in there everything wonderful happens in that crate it's never a place of punishment don't ever make a crate a place of punishment because then the dog's not going to want to go in there any other times it's going to associate the crate with bad things and have the crate door open during the day. So maybe get a rubber toy, put the toy in with food and put it in the crate so that the dog can go in and out of the crate at will with the door open. Then whilst the dog is chewing maybe on the toy in the crate, just shut the door for a couple of minutes. Be there, but just shut the door for a couple of minutes. Don't make a big thing about it. Then open the door and let the dog come out. The more relaxed you are, and I think having been a mom myself of a little baby, when you bring that baby home, you're also relatively stressed because you really don't know what you're doing. Right. And I think that the dog's picking up on that. You have to try and relax yourself as well. So I think with the combination of doing all of that, she should be okay. But don't worry, things <laughs> will get better.
2: Yes, especially when the baby starts becoming a little kid and a
0: toddler and playing baseball. Well, and yeah, then the toddler stage is something you do have to be careful about. So I'm all in for teaching dogs to go to their bed or creating a safe zone behind a baby gate. Because once that baby's toddling, woo, you have to be everything careful. You, is going to be yeah. grabbed, tails and fingers are going to be put in the eye. You and- can never leave them alone. Together, no, 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 either. no. And yeah. I think you bring up a great point. Yeah. Never, ever, 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 even for one second, even to go to the bathroom, leave your baby your infant baby toddler young child alone with a dog good to know
2: all right and our last question comes from samantha in indiana and she says i have a rescue dog mixed breed who's afraid of everything and everyone and she does not seem to enjoy life because of these fears how can i positively increase the quality of her life so that she may enjoy being out more also no matter where i take her so that she may socialize she defecates how do I control that? Is that a sign of something? Yeah, defecation is a sign of stress. Mm. Bless
0: her heart. I wonder what she's gone through before she was rescued. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what her life has <clears> been <throat> like. When you have a dog that's severely stressed like that, I mean, she doesn't say whether it's in the home as well. I mean, it sounds like it's just outside. Is she stressed out in the home as well? I think, therefore, she needs to go see a vet behaviorist. And a vet behaviorist will deal with not just the medical side, but also the behavior side. You know, as a trainer, I can't say or prescribe medication. Mm-hmm. But in certain cases, I will send people to a vet behaviorist who can look at the dog and go, you know what, you might do better to go on a short course of a medication that will help deal with the stress of everyday life, kind of cut out that stress that prevents the dog from learning and being successful. And a lot of people say, I don't want to put my dogs on drugs or, oh, you just want to put a dog on drugs. I put my dog on
2: drugs. It was fabulous for him. Well, you know
0: what? Some dogs need it. Some dogs need it just so that that stress, that feeling of stress is cut down a little bit and so the dog can actually learn because when the dog is so stressed, it can't learn because it's just spending all its life trying to cope especially outside so if you put it on this on the right kind of medication along with behavioral therapy and that's all about not taking it too fast, introducing your dog to very quiet places, maybe take it out into a field or woods or something where the dog is by itself with you and and loves that experience and then gradually into places that have more traffic or more people and build it up, never going too fast, never doing too much too soon. Then maybe you'll get to the point where you can then bring your dog off the medication and try some holistic therapies as well. Try Mm -hmm. a kind of wrap around your dog that makes your dog feel secure. Try some Maybe some aromatherapy, massage. I love playing music for dogs. It just has such a wonderful calming effect. On us too. Oh, yes. <laughs> and you, you can play it in the car, at home. They play it in shelters, at boarding facilities. If you want to find out more about this calming music, which I did in conjunction with Through a Dog's Ear, then go to Positively.com and search for music and you'll find some of
2: that. See, I always feel smarter after Ask Victoria. I feel like I know something now. Awesome podcast
0: and I uh, look forward to the next one. I uh, well, just want to thank the wonderful Heather Paul for coming on our hotline and also for Adaptil for sponsoring us victoria we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in to victoria stillwell's positively podcast for more information visit positively.com get connected on facebook and youtube as victoria stillwell or follow her on twitter at victoria s be sure to tune in next time as victoria helps to change dogs lives Positively. Let's talk pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLightRadio.com.